Um, go ahead and start recording. So we are in The Price of Priesthood Power, which is April 2016, or if you're in the book on page 807. So it, uh, it's interesting studying this one back to back with group A. <coughs> Uh, group A had the one from the prior conference, uh, Plea to My Sisters, um, and they're very much companion talks because he starts the story in the uh, Plea to My Sisters, and then he finishes the story here in um, The Price of Priesthood Power. So, you know, this is this is Women's Week with um, highlighting different talks on um, the role and uh, blessings of, of women, but, um, you know, even though that this other talk is given in the priesthood session, I felt since they were companion talks, they gave so much light and uh, understanding to each other that it was very valuable to study both uh, kind of side by side. Um, but regardless, um, the price of, of priesthood power is, is very real and very accessible to both men and women, just in different ways because we have different roles. And um, anyway, so as we are going through this talk, uh, always kind of keep in, in the back uh, of our minds, how do women play into <laughs> the stories and the, um, the counsel that he's giving here? Because I think it uh, applies very much. So um, I don't know, for anyone that um, uh, hadn't uh, necessarily reviewed A Plea to My Sisters, I'm just gonna kind of like give the, the part of the story that's in that one um, to help us uh, unpack the, the rest of the story here. So um, he said, it's just like two verses here. So I'm going to just kind of quote those. Um, 58 years ago, I was asked to operate on a little girl, gravely ill from congenital heart disease. Her other, older brother had previously died of a similar condition. Her parents pleaded for help. I was not optimistic about the outcome, but vowed to do all in my power to save her life. Despite my best efforts, the child died. Later, that same, these same parents brought another daughter to me, just 16 years, 16 months old, also born with a malformed heart. Again, at their request, I performed an operation. This child also died. This third heartbreaking loss in one family literally undid me. I went home grief-stricken. I threw myself upon our living room floor and cried all night long. Dancel stayed by my side, listening as I repeatedly declared that I would never perform another heart operation. Then around five o'clock in the morning, Dancel looked at me and lovingly asked, are you finished crying? Then get dressed, go back to the lab, go to work. You need to learn more. If you quit now, others will have to painfully learn what you already know. Oh, how I needed my wife's vision, grit, and love. I went back to work and learned more. If it weren't for Damsel's inspired prodding, I would not have pursued open-heart surgery and would not have prepared to do the operation in 1972 that saved the life of President Spencer W. Kimball. So that's kind of the one part of the story. And, and here we see in this one, uh, the, the second part that, uh, I don't know, just gives so much more uh, depth and, and meaning to it as we kind of see it from both male and female perspectives here. So anyway, just kind of opening it up, um, like what stood out to you as you guys were uh, reading and um, reviewing uh, the price of priesthood power here? I, there's so much um, to it that, <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of, 
interesting how how much of a mystery it is you know like we're here on earth we're very secluded from our our, our heavenly parents and and all of this power that's supposedly there that we can access but yet um we are often like the the organ player uh here in in this talk that <laughs> The, the the cords of uh, uh, electrical flow or or whatever have been cut off and uh, and it's up to us to to plug back in and and access that that priesthood power that uh, is a privilege that we can uh, access there anyway um, yeah it always just makes me wonder how much we're missing you know and what what I mean, I know he tells us here what we need to do to, to gain priesthood power, but it still makes me wonder, you know, what are we, are we missing something that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, really incredible that we're just not seeing? I, I guess for me, um, I don't know, it just seems like the world around us sometimes I don't really want to use the word asleep, but, but I feel like there's so much more and that people just are not seeing. And even me that, that I just don't see that I, I want to be able to see. And I, like I said, I just wonder how much we actually are missing mm -hmm. out on that we could be taken advantage of and, and using to bless, you know, our lives and other people's lives. Yeah, exactly. It always reminds me back to uh, Elder Uchtdorf, you know, the are you sleeping through the restoration, that Rip Van Winkle story that he shares, and then also the uh, living beneath our privileges, that man that's on the boat that, that could be, uh, the, the ticket's all inclusive, yet uh, he was living on crackers and beans and stuff, or Kansas, I can't even remember what the, the story is, but um, yeah. how he could have been uh, fully participating, and, and how that applies to us, like, those kind of really woke me up uh, to, okay, am I sleeping through the restoration? Because it's an ongoing process. It wasn't just an event and uh, we're enjoying the fruits of it, but um, being active participants and accessing privileges, you know, it, it's been so fun with President Nelson being so straightforward and um, uh, courageous. I don't know what the word is, but like extending these invitations to, to study look at the scriptures they are full of how god interact interacts with his children and you know growing up i was always thinking you know these are just prophetic stories these are how prophets learn and grow i want to know how it applies to me and then comes president nelson's like they do apply to you this is this is for you kind of a thing you can uh, access the the same power and privileges and everything it, it's quite amazing but yet yeah uh, our, our faith is sometimes limited in, oh, that, that's not for me, at least not yet, or whatever. Well, it just makes me think, um, just a few hours ago, we, we have an investigator in our ward, and I've kind of become, you know, pretty good friends with her, and so we were, my husband and I uh, were meeting with her and, and with the missionaries, you know, just for a lesson, and she had just started the, reading the Book of Mormon for the second time. And she just was commenting on how much she was getting out of it the second time around now. And, you know, and I commented and I, 
this just kind of reminds me of that, that the scriptures are like an onion. There's so many layers. I mean, you know, as you dive deeper and deeper and deeper. And I think that the, the gospel as a whole is like that. There's so many layers. You can just, you can go a layer deeper and then a layer deeper and a layer deeper. And, and, you know, it just dawned on me that the priesthood power is like that too. You know, you can, you can really dive deep into priesthood power and the blessings of the priesthood or, you know, just get to the surface. So I think everything in the gospel is like that. You can just, just keep going deeper and deeper. So mm -hmm. it's kind of amazing. Yeah. yeah, I love it. And so for like these talks that invite us, you know, because sometimes we have to be kind of reminded, we get so caught up in our lives. It's like, remember, there's more to it. Keep diving. You're going to have some fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, just kind of a, a quick recap of the second part of the story, where um, after these operations, uh, Ruth and Jimmy Hadfield harbored lingering resentment toward uh, Brother Nelson and to the church for almost six decades. Um, you know, there's just kind of a, a bad situation, haunted by it kind of thing. Um, he did try several times to establish contact with them, but without success, you know, and kind of understandably, you know, like, what would you do in that situation? Yet, um, one night last May, he was awakened by those two little girls from the other side of the veil. Though I did not see or hear them with my physical senses, I felt their presence. Spiritually, I heard their pleadings. Their message was brief and clear. Brother Nelson, we are not sealed in any way. Can you help us? And so... Um, going through that, the, the only two that were still alive were um, Jimmy and what's his name, Sean. Um, and the the journey and repentance and qualifications that they then go through in order to actually bring the ordinances into their family is is quite remarkable, and. Anyway, I always have to keep asking myself, what's the, the role of women in this story? Because it's it's kind of the almost untold underlying uh, thing here, um, especially as we study these two talks kind of together. But that, um, it's interesting how Dancel was so instrumental in the, the, first, uh, the first talk and that Wendy comes here in the second talk and um, is, I don't know, kind of bookends to, to that process here. Let's see, it says that uh, they were willing to forgive and let go of old hurts and habits. They were willing to submit to guidance from their priesthood leaders. And um, what's really emphasized here is, is willingness. I, I think that that's uh, a huge thing that we struggle with in today's world right um when when we're attacked when we're hurt when we're um whatever um like it has over here laziness dishonesty pride immorality preoccupation just anything we we often lose willingness to uh let power flow or to let um healing to to take place and stuff and so i think that that is a a huge part of 
the the path toward uh, accessing power from heaven, being willing to um, to do the impossible. And I think that that kind of correlates with the the courage uh, that is so heavily uh, emphasized in, in the, the first talk. I think that's a big phrase with President Nelson too, because remember his let God prevail talk. Yeah. It was all about being willing. You know, every time he talked about letting God prevail, are you willing to let God prevail? So I think that's a big, you know, that that's a big part of what he is encouraging us to do is to be willing, you know, to have a willing heart and to have the desire to do these things. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because I mean, kind of like the old adage, you can uh, drag a horse to the, the watering hole, but you can't make them drink kind of thing. Right. Right. Exactly. And how many times are we like that where, I mean, sometimes we know better, but we're not actually willing to do something. And so like true conversion to any kind of principle or, or action within the church, it's, it's amazing how much agency is honored and the more that we realize that it's honored the that we can um willingly participate in in those things but yeah unless you're willing then it's just it's this weird like force like oh you're trying to force me to do something but it, it's just all about all of these invitation it, it's like heavenly father has that dangled or or supplied all of these invitations that are just hovering around and we just have to be willing to 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 grab onto them and live the law that's uh associated with them so that we can get the the blessings but he's never going to take away our our agency to to act for ourselves in that but really yeah, and i don't think i don't think that that we would even go anywhere if we weren't willing you know i mean it reminds me of that the scripture and i can't remember exactly where it is you know about service and that if we if we do it grudgingly then it it counts for nothing for us you know and so really it is what we desire and what is all in our hearts i mean that that's what it's all about really i mean just like you said you can you can dangle it right in front of them but if that's not what our heart wants then it's not going to do us any good that's for sure yeah boy it's really powerful the statement there he says it says many people are i can care more about satisfying my own desires than i do about bearing the savior's power to bless others and our fifth sunday was all about ministering and oh my gosh it was the most powerful thing ever yeah and our ward needed it so bad but i don't know if it hit their minds and hearts or not because um the sister I sat next to was on her phone about 25% of the time. Oh, darn. And I was like, oh my gosh, are people really hearing this? Yeah. You know, the importance of ministering because we had a countywide power outage and the Reedley Society president said, she thought it was just her. Then she realized it was county. And she worried, she said, I don't know all the sisters. We need to know all the brothers and sisters in our ward. What if somebody depended on electricity? What if it had been out for more than 24 hours? What would have happened? Do we know what these people's needs are? Yeah. You know, she said, the, sec the Savior's coming. You know, the second coming is soon. Are we prepared to minister and help other people? 
And I mean, they, they just laid it out today. And I think people were just kind of blase about it, unfortunately. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of like sad. Principle of like willingness, right? Right. Like and they're I know. willing and, to come to church, but they're not willing to actually listen <laughs> sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, it was interesting because I had a discussion with my friend that's not in my ward who lives quite far away. But I, in the four years since ministering has been brought, I have not had a visit from anyone and I sat next to my ministering sister today she's maybe two years in the ward I'm not sure she knows me but if she did she should have said oh hello didn't say a thing if she didn't know me she should have said oh are you visiting and introduce herself she didn't do either and I thought okay interesting so I'm like <laughs> I didn't say anything because I, I was under the weather and I wasn't feeling very good. And I was trying to struggle not to cough and blow my nose and sneeze. And, <laughs> but I really wanted to be there to hear the ministering, what they were saying. Yeah. And it was really important. They really called us to task today. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's such I mean, a the, crucial role for us to. Yeah. And I don't know really that people are willing to pay the price for the priesthood power. The elders quorum started first before the belief site, and he opened with the story of Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, where Cain says, am I my brother's keeper? And everybody said, yes, but are they willing to be their brother's keeper? Mm -hmm. You know, so I thought, I mean, it started out really on a kabang. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yep. So I don't know. I just, People and the Relief Society president, like he said, people are interested. What did he say here? He said, people are satisfying their own desires. The Relief Society president even said, basically, we're selfish. She came right out and said, we're selfish. We're more interested in ourselves. She says, I'm just as guilty as anybody else. I wake up in the morning. And what do I think? Well, what am I going to do today? What do I have to do? What do I want to do? You know, it's all about themselves, not about other people. And it was just, oh my gosh, it was so powerful. I wish it could have been recorded and I felt good enough to take <laughs> notes. It was so amazing. Yeah. Because so. I, I, I feel that very selfish tendency all the time. You know, like all of my to-do notes and, and tasks and everything are all focused on me. And, you know, I most of my stuff is eventually going to be blessing other people, you know, like, okay, what am I, how am I going to plant this garden and, and who am I going to share it with once it's, it's done kind of thing? Mm -hmm. But in the meantime, it's like, but you're missing out on service opportunities right here, right now. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> make sure to uh, quit yeah. on, on me so much. But it, it's kind of an interesting uh, uh, mix, right? Where I, I'm willing to serve until it's too hard. And then it's like, uh, <laughs> I don't know, I'll try again tomorrow or something. Because like, I have uh, one ministering family who just will not talk to me. They, they won't answer me back on anything. You know, I, I step, stop by their house and they just don't answer the door or anything anymore. And I'm like, all right, well, I'll try again next month kind of thing. And I revert back to my checklist kind of schedule. And then I'm like, okay, seriously, what? I, I'm willing to do it until push comes to shove. And then it's like, I'm not willing to go the extra mile or, you know, fast and sacrifice for for that family or anything i don't know is but what you said really really hit me of um that 
I don't know. Just that that laziness, self-centered, selfishness, or whatever is definitely a an opposite of of willingness. You know. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. And we're just so preoccupied with the world and things of the world or our own our own interests that we just don't I know it's just interesting and I read because um I was it was the hymn that we sang during sacrament today and the scriptures were the actual sacrament prayers where it says taking upon ourselves the name of Christ are we willing to take upon and I found this talk I thought I'm just going to look up read this talk amazing talk he talks about you'll have to look it up and read it but talk about sacrifice um it was elder oh come on nope don't jump elder oh now i don't have it uh elder james e talmage i don't know if you know the story about the diphtheria epidemic in 1892 and what he did have you that doesn't even sound familiar. Oh, <laughs> it's, from, it's from October 2018, just a year before the pandemic. Just amazing story. It's toward the end of the talk. And this just is, who was the speaker? It is um, Robert C. Gay of the presidency of the 70s. He Just came to our state conference once. He's so awesome. I love him. Yeah. Wow. It was just amazing because it was during a pandemic, a sickness of 1892, and what he did for another family that wasn't even is a he, member of the church. Is he the one that the he talked about and he he went in and and held the child and cleaned up all the yeah oh my gosh yeah it's just he discovered a family of strangers not members of the church who were stricken with the disease no yeah. one wanted to put themselves at risk by going inside the infected home and i think of all the people <laughs> that weren't ministered to during the pandemic elmer talmage however immediately proceeded to the home he found four children a two and a half year old dead on the bed a five-year-old and ten-year-old in great pain and a weakened 13-year-old. The parents were suffering with grief and fatigue. Elder Talmadge dressed the dead and the living, swept the rooms, carried out the soiled clothing, and burned filthy rags covered with the disease. I'll just read it to you. He worked all day and then returned the next morning. The 10-year-old died during the night. He lifted and held the five-year-old. She coughed bloody mucus all over his face and clothes. He wrote, I could not put her from me. And he held her until he, she died in his arms. He helped bury all three children, arranged food and clean clothing for the grieving family. Upon returning, Brother Talmadge disposed of his clothes, bathed in a zinc solution, quarantined himself from his family, and suffered a mild attack of the disease. So many lives were at stake. Saints take the Savior's name upon themselves to become holy and ministering to all, regardless of how they stand lives are saved as we do so I thought such a powerful and so many people were afraid during this pandemic to go in anybody's home and he went into this disease-filled home he could have died but he did it anyway wow. yeah and I think he was blessed for it it's just an amazing story yeah 
that's why it's so important to go back through talks not even just the previous general conference but but other ones because yeah and i just hit it because it's in the sacrament prayers and that was the talk that you know is is a verse in the sacrament prayer that we take upon the name of christ Mm -hmm. to serve others and you know we have to be willing to sacrifice especially the elders they are just i think they work for a living they're tired and when they get home they don't want to go serve anybody (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean this is like tattling on myself because i'm real dumb (laughs) but anyway uh one time i was uh recently going through my schedule and i was like okay i need to to rework how i'm living my day-to-day because things just aren't happening how i i know that they should be happening so heavenly father just help me you know like i'm putting my pen to paper but i need the revelation to flow kind of thing and the the sentence that came out like took me by surprise and you know i haven't acted on it fully it's a hard one but anyway um it it was that i needed to to get rid of my my selfishness and not return home until everyone else's needs are met and i that (laughs) it hit me like a ton of bricks and i was like because my whole thing is about i come home from work and then i have to like hurry and get busy during the the few remaining daylight hours because this was you know, kind of during the winter time and stuff, you know, there's not a whole lot to, uh, of time to, to get things done. But then it was like, no, forget about all that and make sure that everyone else's needs are met before you even step foot inside your own house. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> that, that it, it hit me really hard. And, um, you know, I, I've strived to implement it, but it, it's a harder one than, than not because like so many things are I don't know, for lack of a better word, being thrown at you temptation-wise, like, no, you need to get this done. You need to get this done kind of thing. But uh, as far as good, better, best, other people's needs are are so important. And everything that everybody else is going through, we just don't even know until we actually go out and minister um, mm-hmm. to people. And I was noticing that uh, usually on my way home from work, because like, I don't know, we'll work until like four or five, but on the way home, that's when most of the people are out in their yard or doing something and needing help. And I was like, mm-hmm. those are like the prime hours to, to be giving service. And here I am just focused on myself all the time. And so I don't know, it, it's interesting what the Lord can do when you're willing to ask for it <laughs> and then, and then actually follow through with it, which yeah. that's my problem, but. You're not alone, Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> no, but at least you're listening to the prompt to the promptings and you know what you should do and you're doing a lot of it because i mean you host all these book clubs and all these other things that really benefit other people so you are ministering to other people just in different ways just not the ones in my own backyard <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah but yeah as we all you know because we each have our own struggles right and so i there's just <laughs> no way to do everything that that's ever <laughs> entered our minds right and so it, it's about that that constant daily struggle and being willing to to learn and change and grow and just everything yeah and i don't know that it, we're supposed to work ourselves to death because it's kind no. of in that book that i was telling you about before in the last club that spirit i can't get it right spiritual emotionally whatever book um he just talks about 
we're not spiritual doings we're spiritual beings so it's what we become and that was what's interesting the leaf society president says so why do we minister and everybody just didn't know what to say and she said it's to bring souls unto christ but i wanted and i just i was like trying not to cough so i didn't talk um but i think it's I think ministering is to bring us to Christ, but to bring us to Christ, to have our hearts changed. And she did talk at the end. Uh, I don't know which talk she used it from, but it said that Christ will heal us and make us whole as we come to him and we minister to others, you know, and so I think it's to have our hearts changed. That's why we minister to others. That's why we do family history. You know, it's to, um, the promise of Elijah to turn the hearts of the children to the father. So we learn to love other people, you know, truly love. I mean, it's to bring us to Christ, but it's so that we are filled with Christ-like love for others. It's not mm-hmm. just to come under Christ, but it's so that we are filled with that love. Yeah. I so love it's all that. about the, con- it's all really about the condition of our heart. Yeah, exactly. Are we willing yeah and are we willing to have our hearts changed i know in the first group i was talking about a book that i just found it's called when did i say it was called it's called detoxifying your heart it's a really interesting book yeah um <coughs> one thing that was like so i can't even remember the full thing but it it came from like five or six different sources and stuff and it was all about this the the sacrament and uh how that's the the heart surgery type thing or whatever so like when we have the sacrament it it's a funeral service right it's a funeral service for for the lord and uh, he's there on the altar and then uh uh we we sing the 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 death hymn for for lack of a better word and then he's resurrected and we celebrate his life through the the talks and the um the rest of the meeting kind of thing and then somebody uh, amplified that for me where um it's also our death and um where we are actually bringing our hearts and laying them upon the altar to be broken like here i've messed this one up like it's <laughs> my week here's all of my sins here's all of my uh, energies and stuff that i i just i couldn't make it there or whatever so you turn over your heart so that it can be replaced with a new one and as we take in christ then uh we can have a fleshy heart not a stony heart that, that we've exactly and on a weekly yeah. basis uh taking that that heart and you know essentially most of our our ordinances are a ritual of of death right we are dying as to self so that we can be reborn on a higher level and uh being pliable you know like that fleshy heart that mm-hmm. can he can write his law upon kind of a thing but but none of us are perfect and so we we go through each week and <laughs> prepare for another death kind of a thing but you know we try our best we try to learn we grow and sometimes we just fail at it but um that willingness to offer up our heart each week and um uh yeah. I don't know a lot of people understand that um I mean I the last time I did go ministering my partner asked a person that's been a member a faithful member for years and years 
if they're if they understood the gospel or if they needed any help and they they said well i've gone faithfully for 40 years but i just don't quite understand it so they just kind of go through the ritualistic stuff because that's what they're told to do but they don't understand it and i just i find it so sad that so many people you know it goes back to when he talked about lax learners and lazy and some people just don't read and so study or they have difficulty understanding and and i wish we could do a better job of helping people understand i mean this group all these book clubs have helped tremendously you know it's really helped me to to learn and branch out and grow as far as just how to understand people from from lots of different walks i mean you wouldn't believe it but like me and my mom are very like hermit like we <laughs> we stay home we don't get out and all this kind of stuff book clubs is, is a huge stretch for us and you know like how many friendships we've fostered but it comes from one basic thing multiple people getting together and making a sacrifice of time on a regular basis uh, mm -hmm. to, to do whatever to learn to grow to share and and it it just i wish i could do that with all of my other relationships you know here in my community my family etc um because you know now it's easy i can just hop on and uh, i i know all of you and i can uh, talk and chat and everything but but sometimes the, the ground level uh efforts are, are the hardest you know especially if somebody doesn't really like you or uh, or you think that they don't like you or or whatever then it's like it's really hard to put yourself out there and i don't know it, it's an interesting uh, gospel to, to put into action um, and, and being willing to, to do that. I think as you're sitting there, as you're saying that, you know, yeah, it is hard, but um, I, I think, and I think this is what you've done, though, is just follow the promptings that you've gotten and have, you've made following those promptings more important than than being afraid of what am I trying to say I don't know being being afraid of maybe making someone uh, upset at you or you know afraid of what maybe someone might be thinking about you but you've kind of put those aside and have followed the promptings and look how many blessings it's it's given you and other people have been so blessed by that. So mm -hmm. I know that all of us, I know I am, and I know all of us are so appreciative yeah. of what you've done. Yeah. And I think it takes a lot of courage to do that. A lot of people are not courageous enough to do that. I think that's why a lot of people don't want to do their ministering or pay the price of priesthood power because they're, a, I don't know, it's, that's what the relief site says. You've got to get out of your comfort zone. Yeah. They're going to try to reach the people that they don't even know that don't come. She says, you're going to have to connect with these people. You don't know them. We don't know them, but we need to make contact with them. And you're just going to have to get out of your, you know, people are so afraid to do things that they're not there, that people are going to like them, or I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is, why we won't step out of our comfort zone and Cameron's a good example of just stepping out and doing things. It's just nice. It's good to see. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, 
it's interesting how it all works upon divine law and agency and and how all of that can can be healed you know like uh once we uh put forth the sacrifice and efforts then then the lord's more than ready to 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 yield out those blessings right um one of my favorite verses of this whole talk of, of all time really um is verse 18 there uh where he says, I urgently plead with each one of us to live up to our privileges as bearers of the priesthood. I mean, when I heard this, like, it just, like, resonated with my soul. It was just so powerful. In a coming day, only those men who have taken their priesthood seriously by diligently seeking to be taught by the Lord himself will be able to bless, guide, protect, strengthen, and heal others. Only a man who has paid the price for priesthood power will be able to bring miracles to those he loves and keep his marriage and family safe now and throughout eternity. And then he asked the, the important question, what is the price to develop such priesthood power? And um, how we, we do that is through willingness. Are you willing to even pray to know how to pray? Are you willing to uh, humble yourself to the, to the utmost degree and realize that everything depends upon the Lord? And then start working to um, to bring about those those blessings. I find it just so powerful how all of that uh, comes through here. Like some of these, um, are you yeah willing to know how to pray? To know how to pray for more power, are you willing to search the scriptures, feast on the words of Christ? You know those are seminary answers, right? But <laughs> those are the the crux, those are the hardest ones to, to implement. Uh, are you willing to worship in the temple regularly? Are you willing to follow the prophet? Um, well, specifically, uh, Monson's example of serving others. Um, are you willing to pray, fast, study, seek, worship, serve? Um, it's interesting just kind of looking at, at the story, right? if I was in that scenario and I had operated and lost all of the children for this family, I would be undone just like president Nelson was, but look, he, he says that he did reach out many times to, to no avail. And then sometimes you just kind of got to give it to God so that time can start working and, and things, but it doesn't end there because he had make a sacrifice of, of that uh, trying to make connections eventually he was able to be visited by by these two girls and then you know accordingly acting upon that that difficult thing i'm I'm sure that he was like oh yes i i will totally do this but can you imagine (laughs) trying to to make contact again like oh so much time has passed and what they must think of me kind of thing like you can let that consume you yet just being willing just okay uh you know, obviously the, the Lord needs this done kind of thing. And um, all because two little girls were so eager to be sealed to their family, they were able to to bring miraculous healing to to the hearts of, of these two men so that they could um, begin the process of qualifying and um, to receive those ordinances of exaltation. Like, it's just huge. <laughs> uh, the power of of willingness really and and how many times has he talked about um preparing the world for the second coming 
of, of Christ, right? If we really think about that, that's pretty insurmountable. Like, <laughs> we are in charge of preparing the whole world. You know, there's only, what, 16 million members of the church, what have you. And we are to prepare, we're supposed to be the leaven for the whole loaf to prepare for the, the second coming of, of Christ. That, that Those odds are not that great. Yet, are you willing to make the sacrifices in order to do so and then be willing to, to act on those. I'm trying to think there was one of these footnotes that like really stood out to me as we were reading it. I can't remember. Oh, yes. Um, it's footnote K, if you're looking at this one. Anyway, it's um, Doctrine and Covenants 4, verse 6. But it's interesting. Up here in the paragraph, um, verse 20, he named faith, virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness, and charity, and diligence. And don't forget humility. And I was like, that's kind of a weird way to put it. But I had never made this connection before, and I thought this was interesting that in the revelation to joseph smith the lord added humility to peter's list like there was uh, an additional uh, one that, that came through one, how many are there one two three four five six seven eight nine so there's nine and then a tenth one was added in the restoration i find that very interesting <laughs> that humility is um is important not to uh, leave out of that mix there. I tried keeping up on all the footnotes, but I haven't <laughs> looked through every single one of them. I need to, to do that this week. But that was one that really stood out to me. I probably shared this quote before um, a friend shared it with me like four years ago, but you were talking about willingness and I forgot it. So I was trying to find it again. So I get it accurate, but two in, it's called two individuals can do anything if one is willing and the other is God. Yeah, that's a great quote. So, yeah. You know, and but president Nelson says the Lord loves effort. So if we're willing to put forth the effort, then we're blessed. You know, and we can receive God's power, whether it's priesthood power or just, you know, um, revelation or anything. We just have to put forth the effort and the willingness to, you know, that's all it is. It's and the faith. And I don't know. And we think we have faith, but I just I don't know sometimes, you know, and that we're putting forth effort. And I just I feel like I'm really blessed. Because I'm trying to put forth effort. So, yeah. But yeah, it's just all based on our willingness and our desires. Um, yeah, it really is. And I guess lots of people are just happy where they are, where they are, and think they're doing well just as it is. Which, but you know, President Iring had said he did a BYU talk. It's called "Raise the Bar." And so we said, you know, in the coming days, uh, what we do isn't sufficient. We're going to have to do more spiritually and all that to, to do it. And that was way back in 
15, 16, I don't know, but it's like, and the, and president Nelson's been telling us that too. And all his talks, it's like, you know, we have to, like you said, we got to prepare for the second coming. It's up to us to prepare, help to prepare the world. And if we don't do it, who's going to do it? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, the Lord can do anything, right? But he, um, that's why we covenant with him to uh, be active participants in, in that preparation. It's an amazing uh, responsibility and, and task that's ahead of us. Yeah. Um, and I find it interesting throughout this the story of the of the hearts, right? That there had to be a descent before an ascent, right? That Isaiah principle that uh, we talk about, where if he had never interacted with this Jimmy and Sean before, and somehow came across them at, at this stage in, in life, would the same kind of thing played out? versus there had to be actual physical hearts that failed in order to heal the spiritual hearts later on uh, as it talked about in verse nine there um as we participated in that sublime experience many hearts were healed that day um you know like with isaiah's example we're just going along this plane and we want these blessings, but there's no way to just ascend. We have to descend in order to to make that that uh, that jump, that escalation there. And um, you can definitely see it throughout this story. But but almost every story that that President Nelson goes through and and shows, um, it's very interesting how many times the heart is at the heart of it <laughs> you know like uh where he lost his daughters where he lost his wife like he's a heart surgeon and his wife died of a heart condition and he couldn't save her and um just so many things um that story on on the plane um where men's hearts were failing them and and yet he was at peace ready to to meet his maker and anyway just how everything deals with with the heart and that there's so many descents in order to to ascend so that we can um, have a pliable fleshy heart for um, him to write his law upon um, and that willingness there. Um, anything else with this <laughs> talk? There, there's so much here, but. I've really loved uh, doing these ones back to back. And you know, a, a great companion one with it is what Group C will be doing, uh, Lessons from Eve, which is toward the, the beginning of his apostolic ministry. Um, but I just love studying the apostles' love for for women and the... Um, the equal responsibility that we have in preparing the, the world for the second coming and uh, what our different roles mean and how they work and uh, what we can learn from our, our scriptural patterns. Um, but yeah. Um, 
so for next week we have our very last week on president nelson it's been a fun ride holy cow um for next week group b is going to be studying all of his dedicatory prayers so um the sapporo japan um the rome what other one is there three two three i don't know anyway i'll be sending those out um uh, in email so that we can study those I'll, I'll do that tonight um but yeah that'll finish us up on on president nelson and then we'll we have two weeks um one of them is going to be father's day so it's kind of a interesting uh break there and then we'll head into lectures on faith after that um i'm not sure exactly what we're doing because i don't know I'm, I'm trying to plan it out with maybe somebody in the richardson family to um uh, come on and uh speak with us uh for the week after next but that might fall through so i'm <laughs> we'll see uh, that will be pending but, um yeah, the dedicatory prayers for for next week, and then then we'll see. <laughs> um, something else, but I forgot what it was. Oh, that ham radio is this Saturday, um, chapters one through three, for anybody that's uh, participating in that. Is there anything else, Mother? That it seems like there is something. Uh, anyway, whatever it is. I know of. I've got us jumping through the hoops so many places I can't remember where I'm at. And is the four ordination the next week after? Um, four ordination is there's on the 18th. Of the 18th. So there's a week in between. Okay. Uh -huh, yeah. So ham radio, then a week off, and then four ordinations. But let's see, didn't we decide that Ford and or uh, ham radio was going to be like every it, week for a while? Is it going to be? I can't remember. I can't remember either. That's what we're going to have to talk about. I haven't done anything. I haven't done anything because I've been sick. So it's like, okay, just the, just the bare basics. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, got, I was working on a family and genealogy and I was like, I so wanted to do it. And I thought, I just, I just can't think straight. So I just didn't, yeah. but, oh, I just found an awesome new, new family. So yeah. cool. That's not even in family history. Um, it, they're all from Syria. And I thought, how cool is that? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I thought I was just so excited to be able to put that in. Cause it was actually, I'll do, I'll do anybody. I'll look up anybody. And my neighbor was telling me about, and our, one of our old governors and his, she said it was his brother, but it's actually his nephew. And she was telling me about, it and I thought I should look them up to see if they're in there. Yeah. And he was, but he didn't have his parents and his brothers were, but they weren't attached to him because there was no parents. And I found all the rest of them on a whole bunch of people from Syria that came to America. And I thought, how cool. Yeah. So I just been putting them in there and hopefully someone's family, somebody from that family, I'll find them. Mm -hmm. So it's kind yeah, of exciting. Cool. One thing that um, Joe Price uh, does all the time is, uh, well, his family. So they'll go and go to like thrift stores or, you know, flea markets, whatever, <laughs> and try to find antiques that have some sort of an identifier on it. So if mm -hmm. it's like a picture, 
and on the back of the picture it has a name and a date or whatever mm-hmm. or if it's a yearbook or a family bible whatever they just purchase any of those things take them home and make sure that they're on family search and then they'll photograph whatever memory that is and, and upload it and stuff but they said um you know because they they travel uh, all the time but um it, it's kind of harder in utah but when they're outside most of the time those people are not on family search already and so that's yeah. the first time that they they get there it's not yeah. working with their own direct lines or anything but yeah being able to yeah just build god's tree wherever. somebody gave me pictures that were just basically barely labeled and she said uh they it was something that came out of a folder album because i think her mother um was a genealogist and she just bought this old photo album probably 25 years ago and they were taking out the thing and so she gave them to me she says you can have fun figuring out who they are i found them put them on family search uh messaged the person who last put information about that person and i said i have these pictures are you related and she said yes would you like them she said sure we're on a mission send them here and i sent them to her and so uh-huh. now they're in the right right family and they're online uh-huh. it was such a fun investigative thing i love doing it uh-huh it's just yeah. it's fun sometimes our own direct lines are just so heavily researched already that it's just yeah know, you just kind of get like the cleanup tasks or whatever but yeah. finding new families and being able to, to i know mine's done also- all on one side like a hundred times over they've got like 200 sources and pictures and it's just like yeah. because they've been lds for generations the other side is a total dead end because it goes outside the United States and there's just, it's foreign language and it's like, I just can't do anything. And I, I think I've done most of it, 98% of it. So I just work wherever I can on whatever I can. And it just gets people in there and hope that people find the families and it's, I love it. It's mm-hmm. fun. But <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. All right. Well, it's been super fun. We will see everyone next week for those dedicatory prayers. I think that's probably going to be one of my favorite ones, actually. <laughs> it's going to take some time to, we got to do it more than just Sunday, mom, because we got to pour through those. <laughs> How many are there of them? There's two or three. I, I'm pretty okay. sure there's three, but Sapporo and um, Rome are the only ones that are coming to my mind. I know that there's another one though. Anyway, I'll let, let me search it because that's probably something good to have on the recording. Just a second. I Nelson. Okay, so conception. The Poro Japan and the Priesthood Restoration Site. So there's there's four. Oh, four. So I mean, there's there's temple. There's three temples, and then the Priesthood Restoration Site, which is interesting. Which talk was it that he was talking about his experience at the Priesthood Restoration Site one? I can't remember. One of the talks that we just uh, did recently. I think it was Youth Week. But anyway, uh, there there's a lot to that one. So I'll send out an email uh, getting links to those and stuff and page numbers, et cetera. Oh, great. Thank you. Because I would say, I don't know where to find them. I haven't ever read them. Yeah, so. <laughs> they're, they're very interesting ones.
All right. Sounds good. We'll see everyone next week. Thank you. Thank you, everyone.